This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to a Snipper Nixon production. Welcome to Are You Feeling Funny? Where top comedians talk to a Harley Street doctor about their health and well-being. I'm Alan Nixon, and in today's edition, you'll be hearing our guest comedian, Nick Revel, as you've never heard him before. And I took it so badly that I was smoking a cigarette, and I just looked at it and said, oh, thanks, and put the cigarette out on my arm. Nick Revel will be in conversation with Harley Street specialist, Dr. Brian Kaplan, who has a passion for comedy. All comedians provide a service to people. Anyone that makes other people laugh, whether it's through a funny hat or dressing up or whatever it is, if it makes people laugh, it's having all those physiological benefits. Our guest, Nick Revel, has been at the cutting edge of stand-up comedy since the early days of the Comedy Store in the 1980s. He remains as impassioned and hard-hitting as ever. Well-known on radio and television, he's found time to publish two satirical novels. Now here is Dr. Brian Kaplan in conversation with Nick Revel. Let's start off with the body. So I'm interested to know if you ever had any experience where you felt funny or something funny happened to do with your health. You mean odd funny or any hilarious? Any type of funny. Yeah, the word well, funny has this double meaning. Right? Yeah, nothing particularly graphic comes to mind, you know, apart from the odd student bout of drunkenness and watching your friends trying to stand up uh, and trying to help them rather so vomiting, vomiting that, 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 that yeah. whole kind of thing yeah um, but generally speaking no I don't think so I can remember when, when I had a burst appendix yes tell us about that that was uh, that was odd because funnily enough uh, Arnold Brown who obviously as you know is part of the organisation of this podcast uh, we were on tour me Arnold uh, a couple of other comedians and we were all staying in my parents house in West Yorkshire and I woke up with this terrible, terrible stomachache. I've been getting it on and off for a few months. And, uh, of course, you know, it's just jokes about, you know, should chew your kebab more fully or whatever it was. You know, nobody, least of all me, was taking it seriously. Apart from the fact there was this stabbing pain. But you think, oh, I'll walk it off. You know, I'm only 25 <laughs> or whatever. But luckily, because we were staying at my mum and dad's, my mum phoned a doctor. Uh, and, I, you know, and I can remember trying to make the usual kind of jokes that you do when the GP is putting his finger up your anus to, exp- to work out what's going on and blah, blah, blah. And then um, later on, 
for some reason, had to be the next door neighbour took me to hospital with Paul Merton in the car, keeping me company and my mum. And uh, I, th I think I think there was a certain amount of wisecracking going. I wasn't about whether I would make it through or not, but. Uh, you know, it was strange, actually. I mean, you know, it was an extremely painful experience. And I guess, you know, could have, if I hadn't, if we hadn't been at my mum and dad's, I'd have, you know, been on a train and probably, you know, who knows whether uh, once it had perforated and then burst, whether I'd have made it all You're right. It wouldn't so, have been a funny experience. No. That, yeah. But at the same time, once, one does have that instinct to crack jokes all the time. It's know? interesting you've mentioned up that anal, they call it a PR, per rectum uh -huh. examination. And I remember all decades ago being told how important it is and saying you mustn't not do it because you feel embarrassed and uh -huh. everything. And the way they do it, they love these little sort of little aphorisms in medicine this was how it was explained to me if you don't put your finger in you put your foot in <laughs> so well, it, it, it felt like a foot at first <laughs> <laughs> what about other things to do with physical health like have you been on any diets or something like that um eating things not out of any uh, sense of crisis i i do do the Two five diet. And did you enjoy it? How long did it last? Uh, yeah, I still prices? do it. I, ah. I still do it from time to time, or at least one day a week. Um, it depends what my work structure is, you know. Um, but yeah, I found it. I found it really good, and I found it a really good feeling. It's like I now, I now try and stay off the booze one day a week, which I know is mm. it's not a massive sacrifice. All your calories would go in one pint, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in my, you know, in, in certainly from 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 my consumption, staying in, off off the booze for a day is a you know is a really uh, is a really good achievement. So I think I, I think certainly with the, the with the five two, it was the same sense of you know it was it was a, it was a good feeling. And as I say, I'll, I'll maybe do one day a week these days but so you're six one man diet there yeah six one that's okay. the new one i've got a market i've just got to get the other packaging you know so i've got a retirement plan now yeah tell me about your exercising uh main thing that i do i mean i do a lot of walk. i always walk rather than you know public transport if it's you know six one and a half a dozen or the other in terms of distance or time but i do tai chi mm. and i've been doing that for quite a long time and uh i do that pretty regularly i train probably every day I do at least 10 minutes and normally manage to find an hour and I found that really good um I mean I know a lot of people just look at it as the as a, what a friend of mine called the Tamazapan ballet you know when you see people moving in this very slow way but that's only part of the it's good to have the Tamazapan effect without taking without yeah, absolutely yeah it's a huge and, it, and, problem. and there is a meditational benefit to it as well i mean i certainly feel more focused and calm when i do it but there's also a lot more kind of uh, more strenuous exercises involved how did you so. find the did you ever get into the flow of tai chi when i went to a class it seemed almost frame like you make this move and then you move this move but the flow yeah. doesn't never seem to be an easy process they take not, quite a long time to come that yeah. yeah and i think one of the reasons that i like it is because uh that sense of progression is constant in that you'll get to a point where you think, oh yeah, I've really got the flow now. And exactly when you first start, it's very staccato and, and uncertain. But then another year later, you'll find yourself discovering a whole new level of coordination and balance moving you on from where you were. And, and again, I, I like the meditational aspect of that. 
I went to a course and I learned, I think, the long form or something oh. like it was 12 oh. lessons just to learn the basic structure without flow or anything. Yeah. And I and even the people teaching it to me, I didn't see the flow, but one day a master came. Mm-hmm. And then it just seemed that everything was just a natural, flowing, wonderful yeah. process. Yeah. yeah, it's extraordinary. And there is I, I do find a real joy in finding that progression from, if you like, the block block letters to the to the flowing to the script do you ever get to see an incident with two people that interaction of energy where someone feels a power pushing them um, aside and- no i mean there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of controversy within tai chi just about you know whether that really exists or not mm-hmm. um you certainly feel when you're doing some of the particularly some of the static exercises um, you certainly feel that energy building up. I've never experienced uh, being on the receiving end of what they call yeah. empty force or seeing somebody do it. I mean, when you're doing the partner work, and uh, as you know, it's an, it's a martial art. When you're doing a bit of sparring or, or, or grappling or whatever, it is extraordinary how the more relaxed you are and the more coordinated you are, the, the, the way that you can put people off balance or into a lock. With, yes, with, with a very little apparent movement or effort. Yes, because in my work, I use reverse psychology to provoke people, so to change the way. So I sort of agree with someone, there is no solution to your problem, there's nothing uh-huh. can be done, then they start insisting. And I sometimes have seen the equivalent in some of the martial arts, like Aikido, Qigong and Tai Chi, of using the energy yeah. in this way. Yeah, well, they talk about in the, in the classics, in these various... Uh, treatises on tai chi they talk about when when he advances the the distance is uh, surpassingly long and when he retreats the distance is surprisingly short so mm-hmm. again it's that sense of your you you, you develop both a, an instinctive and a physical sense of how to um, get the better of the opponent apart from anything else through drawing them into uh, into the void if you like so to put them off balance that way or mm. once they go back attacking with speed and I like and those paradoxes of the Tao Te yes. Ching yeah. what is a bad man but a good man's pupil what is a good man but a bad man's teacher that's yes paradoxes. A- absolutely fascinating and again there's an essential one in one of the Tai Chi classics which is saying well, when, when my opponent does not move I don't, do not move when my opponent moves I move first <laughs> and you know that's <laughs> westerns as well Charles Bronson yeah. yeah absolutely yeah you do you look at it and you think yeah. did you ever resort to a Tai Chi exercise or something on stage if things weren't going well or thinking <laughs> like I'll just get into this oriental uh, mode or? oh that's a good question I, often beforehand I'll just have a, a little bit of a sit and a switch off and a little bit of a meditation I'd like to think that I'm a bit more relaxed and uh, calm about my movement and posture when I'm on stage since I've been doing it, but nothing, nothing consciously. Um, it's more a, hopefully it's you know seeping into my everyday muscle memory and movement. You're listening to Are You Feeling Funny? I'm Luke Nixon. We love making the show, so if you love it too, please comment, rate, or subscribe on your podcast provider. Just sharing a link goes a long way. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Let's move on to psychological stuff. And what I mean by this is that anything, maybe it was one session of counseling or coaching or attending a workshop or a seminar mm. or any experiences in the in the mind the body yeah. mind field yeah uh i went to see a psychotherapist for a few years in the mid 90s um i was in edinburgh doing a long show about 95 and um it kind of drove me drove me a bit mad that show it was every time i start, I, I didn't i was writing a story and every time I, I didn't really know where the story was going. And every time I got up against something that I thought, oh, I don't want to go there, uh, I forced myself to go into it. And a lot of it was my kind of standard territory of, you know, if you like, political rage, but a certain parody of my own, you know, North sure, London liberal mm. lifestyle and so on. Um, and then there was it, and then there was a sort of twisted love affair in it as well, and um, and it was it, so the writing was very, it was very strange because it was definitely me writing a character version of me in terms of going okay, well you got this, this is a strange instinct, uh, and it aimed, it ended up with me with my character <laughs> killing this girl that he was in love with. Uh, as an act of, uh, you know, act of tenderness, which of course, when you get to that as the conclusion of a piece, where you know that you're talking in the first person, and you're, you know, you're actually allowing the instincts to come out of where you're pursuing this quite dark tale. Sounds quite edible uh, this time. It, it was very, uh, very strange. And to tell you the truth, I mean, w w you know, I don't really think I got to the bottom of it I don't know I don't know yeah it, it was strange anyway it was quite a good show <laughs> but I did go a bit bonkers in Edinburgh and I remember one time uh I was drinking a lot that I mean I remember one time I did an interview for Kaleidoscope it was and the guy was running late and he told me but I was meeting him in the assembly rooms bar and I know I had 18 tequilas through the evening <laughs> and I was but the weird thing was which is even more distressing than that was I was really really lucid and coherent on yeah. it and I remember thinking at the time man if I'm if I'm handling this amount of tequila and I can still do a lucid coherent radio interview then I've really got to start putting something back to give my liver a break you know I really was aware of the fact that I was messing myself up mm -hmm. so I had a horrible time off stage all through it and the, there was one night and I, yeah, everybody was you know, drunk at the end of an evening. And it was just something really simple. Somebody made a sarcastic, a good friend of mine made a sarcastic remark about my uh, singing. And um, and I 
took it so badly that I was smoking a cigarette and I just looked at her and said, oh, thanks, and put the cigarette out on my arm and just held her gaze as I put this wow. cigarette out, right? And there was, and I, I thought, oh, okay, I need to talk to somebody about this. So when I got back to London that autumn, I went to see uh, a I had a friend who was a psychotherapist and he set me, uh, you know, he gave me a couple of good suggestions for somebody to see. And um, without being evasive, I don't really get to the bottom of that, apart from the kind of, obviously, the suppressed well the, or the uh it's not even suppressed rage is it but i didn't take the rage out on the person that i felt no you angry about I yourself i mean almost say you caused me pain i'll show you how to cause yeah me yeah pain, yeah you know? absolutely well that reminds me of one of my favorite jokes right which from a from about oh god this would have been 10 years before and i was um i was in this relationship with this girl and oh god we were in love and it was just a really, really tempestuous relationship. And at one time, uh, we both agreed to be uh, seeing other people and ended up at this party where she and her flatmate were there and then this guy that she'd been seeing on and off was there and I was there. And I was going home with her that night and somebody offered us a lift home from... Uh, Belsize Park down to South London and the car load was uh, me, girlfriend girlfriend's flatmate, other guy and then the driver, maybe somebody else and uh, so slightly awkward atmosphere in the car but the driver didn't know anything about it and um, he's making conversation at one point, he said so do you all live in the same flat and there was like this real icy embarrassed silence in the car and I just said yeah yeah, we do, just not all at the same time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, again, it was like... Only this really pain. happens. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. And that was, you know, it never gets a laugh. But I, what I like about that is like in Raging Bull for me. It's like, mm. you, never, you, you know, when, when, when in the rematch against Sugar Ray Robinson, mm. he's getting completely battered, but he's on the ropes going, you never put me down, Ray. You never put me down. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, but, the, you know, I've certainly been aware of that association of those two things. One of those films you wonder why you were just... It, but I suppose it's so good. Well, yeah, the, yeah just the, it doesn't no comedy that kind of yeah, that kind of area. Such so this the therapy was a was the therapy was it quite an engaging process? Or was the therapist keeping quite quiet and letting you do the? Um, she was leading. Yeah, she she was encouraging me to talk, but it wasn't an entirely silent session. You know, I mean, she would prompt me here and there. But to tell you the truth, the fact that I was doing it, I was pleased. You know, because I, I, I thought I really do need to do this. If I'm in this and retrospectively, you look at it as a good experience. The whole yeah, the relationship, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, the therapeutic relationship was a good thing. Yeah, yeah, it was. I, as I say, I don't know how much I really got to the to the bottom of it. I don't know whether there was a point where I refused to explore it anymore, mm -hmm. or whether I just thought, okay, I'm back on an even keel now, and you know, I don't really need to do this. I have had comedians say to me that they. Sometimes when they go and see a therapist, they feel under obligation to amuse the therapist rather than do the internal work themselves. Do you know what? That's really interesting because it was great because I didn't feel any need to do that at all. Okay, it was really get liberating. your money's worth. Yeah, <laughs> it was really liberating not to feel, you know. But you got to be funny. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it was, an un, you know, it was different and also it was, um, I suppose I felt
felt, well, I don't, uh, yeah, obviously there was the odd joke here or there, but here's a situation where I really don't have to, to use the, the humour if it's a defence or whatever. Any workshops or group work when there's a no, group of people? Never no, did that. No, no, no. no thank you. <laughs> Apart from audiences, obviously. <laughs> Or the odd selected car car journey with you know with with other comedians. Any any therapy from Uber drivers or anything like that? <laughs> um, I I like list. I I like actually on on taxi rides. I do like to uh, I do like to get the taxi driver talking. Yeah, I really do. like doing that. I get some good tales out of that. Yeah, sometimes you know. You're listening to Are You Feeling Funny? I'm Olivia Nixon. We love making this show, so if you love it too, please comment, rate, or subscribe on your podcast provider. Just sharing a link goes a long way. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to what we call the spiritual world. We start off with the basic question, do you believe in God? Oh, okay. Um, I think I'm agnostic, actually. Mm. I mean, I certainly don't believe in any um, you know, uh, uh, classical idea of, you know, man with white beard but interventionist you know, god with a, with a no I, yeah yeah and also you know i mean if you like well what was there before the big bang and i'm not saying it was an interventionist god being mm-hmm. mirac- miraculous uh, creator but what, whatever was there before there was there before there was the big bang um seems to me it's certainly a point where time matter and uh and and energy um are uh, difficult to distinguish I just think that uh, you know the inexplicable nature of the universe is probably something that we have to. So you're not an atheist, in other words. You're not saying there is no higher. It's possible. What comes first? I mean, you know, the classic Voltaire line about if a god didn't exist, we'd need to create him. And mm-hmm. if you like, there are certain conventions that we have to subsume ourselves to, to some degree, in order to exist as social beings. I know? think that's fascinating. I think that. Because if there were God, how can language, which is invented by man, encapsulate such a higher power? How yeah, would words yeah. encapsulate yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's a yeah, very good point, yeah. I suppose to me, and I don't know if this is a logical progression for what I'm trying to say, but I think the importance of tolerance is, is, is so uh, crucial for me. And I think that, uh, you know, that would extend to me even being agnostic rather than uh, rather than atheistic, even though you know, I think people use um, the idea of uh, some people say that religion is the root of all evil, which I think is a very cheap and inaccurate mm-hmm. panacea. I mean, ideology, convention, social norms, and and how you deal with people who transgress them or push them—that's the that's the crucial question. But they exist in in any kind of social organisation. Tolerance. You you elevating tolerance as a Absolutely, human quality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tolerance, doubt, uncertainty. So do you think we should be tolerant of people that we we disagree with or find well, ourselves? Absolutely, yeah. And of course, then you get into the paradox of when when does tolerance start to be a threat to itself? But I think, well, you know, actually. It's probably um, it's probably a bit safer than uh, a lot of you know they know this no no platform safe space uh, up its own ass mm-hmm. left wing uh, pseudo liberal ideology that says oh you can't listen to fascists or whatever you think well you know you can probably actually extend a little bit more tolerance than what your <laughs> unwittingly bigoted. Uh, Do you think program? we've been um, society we've been a bit intolerant of someone such as Donald Trump? Um, well, you know, I mean, 
he's been he's been massively tolerated by the American electorate, hasn't he? Which is an extraordinarily distressing thing. Well, you know, I, you, you, I, I think he's an appalling man, um, both on a personal level and uh, politically. Uh, I think the way that he appeals to a dog whistle, uh, right wing, activistic, nationalist, bigoted uh, impulse in in his constituents is appalling. But I also believe that uh, the way to take on uh, that kind of pernicious political movement, and it's not the only way to take it on, but uh, you know, in, it, the important thing is to. Uh, is to understand and um, and counteract and counter argue um, rather than uh, to I don't know say you shouldn't be proscribe proscribe yeah, yeah absolutely so yeah. you very much for freedom of speech people should be yeah, able to say yeah. whatever they want yeah. yes yeah sometimes I get people saying oh should you be allowed to shout fire in a crowded well, cinema you know there's well, an think extreme extrapolation of this yeah. there are of course there are limits to yeah. it yeah I faced down some Arsenal fans on the tube a couple of years ago they uh, they were singing anti-semitic songs about Tottenham Hotspur and it was all very it was a Friday night and there was lots of theatre you know lots of um, there were lots of uh, tourists coming through on the Piccadilly line through the centre and they had a good time come out the theatre and so on carrying programmes and then there was these five Arsenal fans and they were singing and everybody was a bit nervous of them I think oh it's not too bad anyway then they started singing this particular song about Tottenham yeah and <laughs> fucking Jew came out in the in the and I just thought oh I've got to do this now and uh, I mean the way I do it in, in uh, when I tell it in the act is that you know, I just wish somebody would have stood up to these people and called them on it because there were enough people in a full carriage to face them down but nobody did and then this middle aged guy started calling it he eyeballed the biggest of the Arsenal fans and said you're out of order that is racist that is offensive I'm not having it I want you to shut up and I want you to apologise to the rest of the carriage wow. then I realised it was me <laughs> um, but I, I, I thought I don't care, you know. This, this, you know, uh, it, and so I thought I'm going to take this. I, I, I'm going to take, and I, I calculated it because I was sitting halfway down the carriage, and I was I was carrying. I was reading a Charlie Chaplin biography at the side, <laughs> yeah. which was quite thick. I thought, well, the first one's going to get that, because they couldn't have all got down the carriage at the same time. I was, And so I was calculating the angles. The like, first one gets this in the head, then keys in the eye for the next one, then they'll batter me. But fuck it. And um, and to, to their credit, they helped, They were more pissed and exuberant rather than nasty. And they said, sorry, mate. And, uh, yeah, and they, they did actually... Realized That's a great story. How did we get from spirituality to Tottenham? We were talking Hospital. about hey, tolerance. Wonderful. Yeah, we were talking yeah, about exactly. the limits of tolerance. Yeah, that's brilliant. I sometimes I think some of those people who do that are they may not be anti-Semitic. They're just saying something to provoke a reaction in other people. Yeah. So they look for the most Absolutely. offensive, the potentially yeah. the most offensive yeah. thing that will press other people's buttons. You know? Yeah, I quite agree. And it was it was just the point that they, I think, you know, as it turned out, they just needed to be it pointed out to them that they'd strayed over a line. But of course, until you call them on it, you don't know what their reaction's going to be. You Do know? you support any of those sides of Spurs or Arsenal? Or no, I'm a, I, uh, I'm a, well, I'm more of a rugby league fan than oh, a yeah, rugby fan, league. But, yeah. but, but West Ham, because I grew up in West Yorkshire, but West Ham is the team that I, followed to some degree just because there's a kind of romantic sense of them you know having this uh, ele ele elegant style of football back in the back in the day but, bobby uh, moore so. bobby exactly yeah <laughs> so. uh, talking about um football and spirituality the chief rabbi whose name is ephraim mervis when he was appointed took over from jonathan Sachs, he gave a long talk about spiritual matters and jewish matters and everything 
And then he said, I'd just like to wish Tottenham Hotspur, which is his side mm-hmm. that he supports, good luck in their game tonight. That was on the night of his inauguration. It wasn't a good omen, though. They lost 1-0 to, to Arsenal at home. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, Chief Rabbo, we'll yeah. do, we'll do <laughs> we without your, your good help. wishes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what about the Dow? Does that mean anything to you, or is you sort of kept the Tai Chi at a physical No, level? well, I... I've read all you know. I've read the Tao Te Ching, and I and I wonderful book. Eh? You like that? Fascinating, hey? yeah. And I love the way that you know it. It's um, you can just take a line out of it here or there. The poetry of it, as yes. well as the actual, if you like, the philosophical, the poetic expression of the philosophy is is fascinating. And I think the more I do the Tai Chi, you kind of understand how it derived out of that Taoist philosophical tradition, mm. and and how it does inform the physical side of the uh, of the of, uh, of your practice the more i really read about it the less i fully understand it so you're doing it to keep fit and to yeah. keep well but yeah. there are yeah. people doing it as a meditation and even as a spiritual process oh yes yeah, yes. yeah. well yeah. It, it pretty much covers i mean what what we do the guy who teaches me is a very good martial artist who learned from a uh, a very erudite and maverick uh Scottish guy who was in Hong Kong for 10 years and fought and also translates that he's got the full gamut of it so the the teaching that I get is right across from learning the the martial side of it through to learning I mean there's, there's a the last of the the last of the yang exercises is paradoxically a very yin exercise and mm. it's a it's a it's a meditation these are in these uh, these separate exercises from the hand form. I found the Tao Te Ching quite funny at times because it seems to have these two statements that look paradoxical, but they, there's something in between it. There's sort of truth that can't be expressed in words between the two statements. And it, uh, and, and, and it does use, as you say, that tension actually mm. between where you can't say it even by saying it is, I think, where a lot of comedy and it derives from but i'm presuming you're thinking of the line where quite near the beginning and i was going to say near the top as if it was a stand-up routine and Lao Tzu, whose name just means old bloke and mm-hmm. um, he says he says uh right this is a book about the the Tao, the way of uh, of virtue and knowledge um the Tao that can be spoken of is not the true Tao. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, let's <laughs> no, talk about it now. You know. <laughs> yeah, apparently he was leaving China or something and they stopped him at the board and said, no, you're not going before you write some of this stuff down for us. Oh, is he that... He was reluctant to write it down uh, even. That's what I read. That, I know, it's that a long time ago. That a vague, vague bell, yeah. but I did that... Uh, yeah. Come All right, uh, Nick. Um, mm. Last question: if, if you don't have to answer, but do you have any favourite medical joke or doctor joke or? Uh, God. <laughs> lots and lots, really. The one that comes into my mind is uh, the guy who's walking past um, a, a GP's, and it's a it's a winter's evening, and he knocks on the door and um, he says, uh, Doctor, I, 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 I wonder if you can help me. He says, uh, what's, what's the problem? He says, well, I, I keep thinking I'm a moth. He says, well, I'm sorry, you, you, this is a GP. You, you, you really need a, a, a psychiatrist. He says, yes, I know. I, I only came in because I saw your light was on. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Are You Feeling Funny? A Snip and Exxon production. 
In this episode, Dr. Brian Kaplan has been talking with comedian Nick Revel. If you've enjoyed this episode, please comment, rate or subscribe on your podcast provider. Just sharing a link goes a long way. Are You Feeling Funny featured Dr. Brian Kaplan. The comedy consultant was Arnold Brown. Music and sound by Alex Hollingsworth. The producers were Luke and Alan Nixon. And this was a Snipper Nixon production. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.